Welcome to podcast episode 223. I'm Stuart McCullough, CEO of Via GA. Joining me for this week's discussion is workplace relations consultant, Maddie White. Welcome, Maddie. Hi, Stuart. Maddie, we're going to jump straight into it. We're going to show the clue that will suggest the subject for today's discussion. It's going to come up on screen now. So Maddie, for the benefit of those people who are listening to this podcast rather than watching, could you describe the object? Yes, absolutely. So it's a box, or more specifically, it's it's a construction toolbox. It's a toolbox. All right, and it, ha- it contains within it what? I'm going to guess. I think tools is the same. Tools. Yes, that would be a good guess. I'm not a very ha- handy person, so I couldn't think of what would be in it, but tools is a good good comment, Stuart. Indeed. And based on that particular clue, what would you say the subject for today's discussion is? Uh, I'm thinking for a toolbox, see, with our agreements, the only agreement that would really apply here would be maybe the maintenance. So we're talking about the maintenance agreement. You know, that's a really logical guess, uh, and yet it's incorrect, I'm afraid. Uh, So we're talking about um, a subject that involves uh, really selecting the right, um, the right instrument, the right tool for, for a particular job. So there are lots of different ways to engage people. One of the options for engaging an employee is a fixed term contract. Uh, but one of the key questions about using a fixed term contract is, is it fit for purpose? Is it the appropriate tool for, uh, for the engagement or should another tool be used for the employment? So that does bring us to today's discussion which concerns the fixed term employment uh, terms that are contained within the Nurses and Midwives Agreement. And for those reading along at home, it's Clause 21 of the updated Nurses and Midwives Agreement. The clause includes some familiar terms, but there have been some uh, amendments that are worth noting. There have been some amendments. Uh, So if you think you're familiar with this clause, then, then think again. Um, but we'll get to those in just a moment. Um, I think we'll go through a little bit of background first. And um, I think one of the, the starting points is really what is the purpose of the term? And the purpose of the clause is to really limit the use of fixed term contracts. It is. As a general rule, it's in everyone's interest to promote ongoing employment rather than fixed term employment. And that's true both in terms of security of employment for the employer, but also administration by employers. Uh, it takes a lot to administer a fixed-term contract successfully. That's true. So maybe let's ask the most obvious question. Uh, why would an employer want to utilise a fixed-term contract? Quite simply, the only circumstance an employer should want to use a fixed-term contract is where it suits the circumstances. So where it suits the circumstances? We're going to go through some examples in a bit more detail later later on. All right, so that brings us probably, I think, to our first key point for today. Before using a fixed term contract, ask yourself one question. Is it the right tool for the job? Uh, Maddie, why would anyone want to use a fixed term contract when it wasn't suited to the circumstances? Well, there are some historical reasons. Such as? Mostly as a way of determining whether an employee was suitable for a role. 
So years ago, um, minimum periods of employment were called probationary periods, and instead of six months, they were three months in length. So some employers sought to create a longer probationary period through the use of a fixed-term contract. And it's got to be acknowledged that that's a, a, quite an artificial uh, way of going about things. It is. Uh, more than that, of course, it's potentially created other risks. Specifically, if an employer concluded an employee was not suitable, uh, they might be required to pay out the contract. So the interesting thing, I think, uh, is that while the practice grew up for a particular reason, uh, that is no longer really relevant. It is possible that some employers have continued to use fixed-term contracts unnecessarily. That's right. And it brings us to the updated clause, which provides more information about when a fixed-term contract might be the right tool for the job. Fixed-term contracts can be complicated, uh, and it is easy to have employees on a fixed-term contract when they should really be on a permanent contract. That's right. The amendments are looking to reduce the ambiguity around this clause to ensure that employees are being correctly classified. So let's go back to the 2016 agreement. Back uh, in the previous Nurses and Midwives Agreement, it referred to a true fixed-term arrangement. The obvious question is, what is considered to be a true fixed-term arrangement? That's a really good question. Under the 2016 agreement, there was no real definition as to what is considered to be a true or genuine fixed-term contract. There was a non-exhaustive list that outlined examples of arrangements, but it left the term fixed-term employee undefined. So let's start at the top of the new clause, uh, clause 21. The 2020 agreement provides clarity around that question of 21.1, where it states that a fixed-term employee is an employee who is employed for a specified period of time, which period is known at the commencement of the contract, or for a specified task such as a project or a placement of an absent employee. Interesting to note that the clause references that where the employee is employed for a specified period of time, the period must be known at the commencement of the contract. That's right. In that instance, you know from the outset that the employment will be for a limited period. There's a point to be made uh, on the letter of appointment, which we'll come back to shortly, but fixed uh, period of time is not the only example. Yeah, look, that's a really good point. So the term also refers to a specified task. Uh, so it could be that someone's on a fixed term arrangement because of a uh, they're engaged for a particular project, for example. Maddie, you mentioned the letter of appointment. Yes, clause uh, 22 concerns the letter of appointment and it requires that on commencement of employment, the employer will provide each employee with a letter of appointment containing the information set out in Appendix 3. And in turn, Appendix 3 requires that the letter of appointment set out the basis for the employment. Yes, it's pretty hard to say there was a fixed term uh, if there's no evidence of what that term is. Yes, so uh, it needs to be in the letter of appointment. So whilst we're talking about other terms, um, are there references to fixed term contracts in any other terms of the agreement? Clause 23, notice period before termination excludes those on a fixed term contract. So why is that, Maddie? Essentially, a fixed-term contract gives you notice at the outset as to when the employment will end. All right, so a fixed-term contract ends because the term is concluded, uh, and because of that fact, neither party needs to give notice of termination. Uh, are fixed-term contracts mentioned anywhere else in the agreement? Fixed-term contracts are also mentioned under Clause 12, redundancy and associated entitlements. Clause 12 in its entirety does not apply to fixed-term employees. 
though, as members would be aware, um, fixed term employees generally don't have entitlements in relation to redundancy. Yes, Clause 12 provides entitlements when a role comes to an end and isn't being replaced. Really, it's to compensate uh, in part for the loss of non-ongoing employment. Whereas for a fixed-term contract, ongoing employment was never offered. There is one uh, important exception, however, at Clause 12.6 concerning relocation. That term may apply to a person on a fixed-term contract. So let's get that clause up on screen. Clause 12.6F states that an affected employee on a fixed-term contract who is relocated will be covered by the terms of this clause for the duration of the fixed-term contract. So returning to the clause, subclause uh, clause 21, that is, the fixed-term contract clause, subclause 2 tells us when a fixed-term contract can't be used. Uh, it does, um, uh, it provides as follows. Subject to clause 21.3, fixed-term employment will not be used to fill an ongoing position. So that reminds me of our key point, Maddie. Uh, the question should be, is a fixed-term contract the right tool for the particular task? Correct. It's intended to have people ask themselves that question before offering a fixed-term contract. Um, one of the interesting things about that term is that it's, it starts by saying that it's subject to 21.3, which is, which is important. We'll get to the examples in 21.3, which includes circumstances where the role might be ongoing, but the engagement is legitimately for a fixed term. All right, well, let's, let's head to 21.3 now. The term lists instances where a fixed term contract might be used, but it's important to note that the list is indicative rather than exhaustive. Okay, so these are examples rather than, uh, say, the full meaning. Correct. So let's get those examples from 21.3 up on screen. So the examples in, uh, of a fixed-term employment may be appropriate include a Rousson or Rousson position, graduate nurse or midwife positions, postgraduate training positions, long-term work cover replacement, special projects, positions created through identifiable funding external to the employer, not being uh, funding that is part of an operating grant from government, and backfill, including the extended leave, such as parental leave and long service leave, and also to support flexible working arrangements. There's quite a mix there. Uh, some of those examples are time limited by their very nature. Exactly. Graduate nurse, uh, graduate midwife positions and postgraduate training positions. Long term replacement for work cover, but not short term replacement for annual leave. A fixed-term contract is not the only way to replace an absent employee. In particular, for a shorter absence, it might be filled through a bank employee or a variation to an existing contract rather than a fixed-term contract. Uh, Maddie, there's also a reference to special projects and tasks that are funded outside regular funding. Uh, it could be a piece of research, for example, but something that is limited by its nature because it, it's for a period or its funding is limited. And on the issue of funding, it's worth noting that the fact that a service is funded on a periodic basis does not mean that a fixed-term contract is, is available. It's in the nature of the funding that it's for a specific period. Depending on the circumstances, ongoing employment may still be uh, the most suitable means of engagement. Yes, and were the funding to end under those circumstances, then a redundancy may arise. Uh, just a, an important point that uh, sometimes leads people to use a fixed-term contract where they don't need to. Um, the last example maybe um, falls under the heading of backfill. It does and gives examples of parental leave. 
So parental leave by its nature is generally for a significant period of time, uh, but it's you know, worth noting that the employee who is absent has an absolute right to return to their role. Yes, the role is ongoing, but it belongs to someone else. So a fixed term contract may be used. Uh, although worth emphasising again, uh, a fixed term contract is not the only option. Um, the term also refers to supporting flexible working arrangements. An example of a fl flexible working arrangement is returning on a part-time basis after parental leave. So again, a fixed term is an option uh, to fill the hours for a defined period in a way that preserves the right of the, of the employee to return to the full hours after a defined period of time. Yes, again, uh, a fixed-term contract is not the only option for backfilling uh, in support of a flexible working arrangement, but it's one of the options available. Then that's a good point. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole point of this is to make as many options available to support the granting of flexible working arrangements rather than to say it can only be done in one particular way. One of the interesting things about the clause, Maddie, is below the term itself there is a clarifying note. There is, uh, and the note provides the following. Um, in this context, backfill to support flexible working arrangements does not refer to the employee on the flexible working arrangement, but instead to an arrangement uh, to work hours that arise from a flex flexible work arrangement that includes a temporary reduction in hours. So I can, I can give some context to that particular note. Um, sometimes in bargaining, the parties refer to taking a belt belts and braces uh, approach to something which is horrific from a fashion point of view, uh, but it's 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 with a good purpose um, in terms of trying to make the intention of the parties as clear as possible. Uh, what was the reason? What we were trying to make clear is that a fixed term contract might be used um, to pick up available hours arising from a flexible work arrangement. So if a full-time employee returns from parental leave at three days per week as part of a flexible working arrangement for 12 months. Uh, under that circumstance, the employer could engage a, a, another employee for two days per week for 12 months to support the flexible working arrangement. However, it's not the person on the flexible working arrangement that is moving to a fixed term contract. That's an important distinction. It is, so here's a key tip number two. An ongoing employee who seeks a flexible working arrangement must remain an ongoing employee and not a fixed term employee, even if the flexible working arrangement is time limited. So let's recap. The new term describes what fixed term employment is. It outlines examples of when it can be used, uh, whether a fixed term contract is appropriate for the circumstances should always be considered. And whilst fixed term contracts can be used to support flexible working arrangements, those on the actual flexible working arrangement cannot be moved from ongoing to fixed term. Maddie, thank you for taking us through clause 21 of the Nurses and Midwives Agreement. My pleasure.